wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for August 19th, 2014. I'm your host with the most Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham Jason Matthews with a jam-packed edition of the show here today. We're talking SummerSlam from this past Sunday night and Monday Night Raw from last night, August 18th, 2014. Two of the best wrestling shows that I've seen in quite some time, in my personal opinion. We're talking both those shows and giving my full review of both events in just a bit. I'll also be airing my exclusive interview with former New England Championship Wrestling Champion Slick Wagner Brown. We had him on the show back in March of this year. However, he has since been sidelined with a very serious injury that has kept him out of the ring for the last couple of months. We're talking to him about his road to recovery, his wrestling school, the passing of the Ultimate Warrior, the Iron 8 tournament, and much, much more. So make sure to stay tuned for that interview, that exclusive interview that you won't catch anywhere else in the latter half of the show. But before we get into any of that, I just want to discuss some brief news and notes from WWE and TNA, respectively. Kicking it off from the WWE, the official signing of Kevin Steen as of last Tuesday. Very excited to announce that. Very excited to uh, to hear about that. It has been official for quite some time now. Any member of the IWC of the internet wrestling community has known about this for um, probably since about May or June. It was it became a well-known fact. It's probably been the worst hidden secret, um, worst kept secret by the WWE in the last couple of months, but along with the signings of Prince Devitt and Kenta. But um, all three guys have passed their physicals. They've all been officially signed signed by the WWE, so which is great to see, great to hear. Um, Kevin Steen, unlike Prince Devitt and Kenta, I am more familiar with. I've been watching ROH a bit more. Um, I probably first, you know, my first ROH show ever. Um, I watched back in May of this year, and I've been watching ROH on a regular basis since then. So for the last couple of months, I've been watching Kevin Steen in ROH. Very excited to see him in the WWE. Just to think all the potential matches that he could have with the likes of Sami Zayn, a.k.a. El Generico, who he does have history with from Ring of Honor, Prince Devitt and Kenta themselves, along with Adrian Neville, even Tyler Breeze. There's a lot of potential fantasy matchups when it comes to uh, Kevin Steen in the WWE, so I'm very much looking forward to how he performs in the developmental system of the WWE and eventually the main roster. Um, so yeah, Kevin Steen, great in the great in the mic, great in the ring, very great hand to have in the in the company. So I'm glad to see WWE has officially signed him to a contract. Looking forward to what he can accomplish in WWE when he makes his debut. I'm not exactly sure. I know he's set to report to the Performance Center sooner rather than later. I think at the end of August. I want to say the 25th, but I'm not exactly sure. But either way, if you bring him up to the NXT roster along with Kent and Prince Devitt at the same time, we're going to be in for a hell of a fall season for NXT. Um, So I very much look forward to that. Also from the WWE in terms of news and notes, WWE has incorporated their all-new logo onto everything. As of last Wednesday, it was now on the WWE headquarters in Stanford, where I live here in Connecticut. Um, it has also been put on everything. As of last night's Raw, it is on all the turnbuckles, the announce tables, the Raw graphics, everything. Which is great to see. It was only a matter of time since it was kind of confusing. They had put it on some stuff at SummerSlam and not on other stuff as of, uh, you know, on, on like the TV on the bottom of the corner of the, uh, of the screen. They had the WWE logo, but it was the old logo. So they started officially incorporating it into stuff as of Monday night's Raw, which is great to see. Um, the logo itself, my opinion of it, I wrote a Facebook blog about this a couple of days ago, but I really don't think it's all that bad. I'm not going to say it's an improvement over the old one. I really do much like the old one, and um, if it was up to me, I would not have changed it, but I could see why they changed it. It signals a new change, a new era in the WWE, which is probably, you know, it, we are kind of in the midst of a new changing of the guard, so to speak, with the WWE Network and so many top stars, uh, I know, atop the company. We didn't get a new logo when new stars were rising in the company like in 02 or 2005, but 
Um, with that being said, though, it is a new time in WWE that, you know, the old Scratch logo just screamed Attitude Era. So, with that being said, I think getting the new logo is beneficial for WWE. So, um, I, my opinion of the new logo, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I just tolerate it. Um, but I can see why they incorporated it and uh, kind of matches the new network anyway. So, I, you know, as long as it makes sense, as long as it's universal across everything and not on some stuff and not on others... As long as that's happening, that's all that's important to me personally. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with it. I like it more than I do hate it. But um, I haven't seen it all that all that much hatred towards the new logo anyway, so that that's good to see. But anyway, um, WWE entering an all-new era with their new logo as of this past Monday night, so I just wanted to point that out. But when it comes to TNA, a few things to talk about when it comes to TNA here. Um, that I did really want to discuss. Kicking it off here with TNA Impact moving to Wednesday nights now for the first time ever. I know they had had a very brief stint on Mondays for a while in 2010 when they thought when they thought they could attempt to um, rival Monday Night Raw, and that was an epic failure of an experiment. And I just still laugh at that to this day because why they thought that would be a good idea. Is absolutely mind-boggling to me, but anyway, they're moving to Wednesday nights. The reason has not really officially been disclosed by TNA. A lot of people are just citing the football ratings, but that's been the case for Impact for years. The last 10 years that they've been on TV, they've always run into competition when it comes to football. And the Impact ratings have never really changed. Some people might cite that the, the rating has changed uh, a tenth of a point in the last few years, but I couldn't care less about that kind of shit anyway. So whether it has changed or declined or risen, it doesn't really matter to me. For the most part, the rating for TNA Impact Wrestling on Thursday nights has remained consistent over the last ten years. So with that being said, I'm completely content with them moving to Wednesdays. There has been nothing on Wednesdays for quite a while now when it comes to wrestling. WWE main event used to air on Wednesdays, but of course that has been since moved to Tuesdays, airing live on the WWE Network. Um, also on Thursdays, we have NXT, we have Superstars, so I'm glad that we are not getting a couple... I, for me, personally, I've run into the issue that I have to watch either Impact Live first, and I watch NXT later on the network, or maybe if there's something on NXT that particularly intrigues me more than something on Impact, then I watch NXT first and Superstars, and I know I'm one of the only of two people that still watch Superstars in 2014, but... Nevertheless, to watch three programs in one day, for me personally, is a bit of an overkill. So I'm glad the impact is moving to Wednesdays. Now it's a bit more balanced with Raw on Mondays. Tuesdays we've got Main Event. Wednesdays, Teen Impact Wrestling. Thursdays we've got NXT and Superstars for some, like myself. And Friday we have SmackDown. And of course on Sundays, the occasional pay-per-view. Now I know that will not be the, uh, the official schedule for wrestling going forward. Because as I said in last week's show, SmackDown has been rumored to be moving to Thursdays sooner rather than later. I know they let the cat out of the bag when it came to the production truck uh, botch. When they put Thursdays at 8 and instead of Fridays at 8, they got ahead of themselves in that respect. So I don't know when that change will take place. I would assume, like I said last week, it will take place in October. Um, as, and, as SmackDown, I believe, their new season usually kicks off in October because if I can recall correctly, in 08 and 09, 2010, 2011, whenever else, um, when they moved networks to sci-fi, that was really when they started doing it in early October of whatever year it was. So if I had to take a guess, they will be moving to Thursdays in October, which isn't all that far away anyway. It's only about two months less than that, actually, since it's about um, late August as I record this. But anyway, though, um, I like the move to Wednesdays for Tina Impact Wrestling. I, for one, do not have to sit through many hours of wrestling on a Thursday night, so I like it. Um, SmackDown moving to Thursdays might have played a factor for TNA. I know there was a report shortly after that report went uh, went viral, I guess I could say. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I heard a report, or I had read a report, that TNA Impact Wrestling officials were just, you know, shitting their pants over the thought of SmackDown feuding with them on Thursday nights. I mean, NXT is as bad as, as bad as it is in the sense that they're they're feuding with one another. And NXT isn't on a network. The ratings haven't changed at all for Impact over the last couple of months. But NXT, a lot more people I see, uh, for my timeline anyway on Twitter, I see more people talking about and tweeting about NXT than Impact, which might not be the uh, <laughs> might not be the best sign, the best indicator that people are watching your product. But anyway, though, 
I think it's a good move for TNA. I like it. How long it lasts, I have no idea. They can announce all these different moves to different nights. They can announce all these different partnerships. But much like with Global Force Wrestling, you need a fucking TV deal in place, which is something they do not have at this point in time. They do not have a TV deal, which is what they need to continue going with Spike TV. And like I said many weeks ago when the news first broke that Spike TV had quote-unquote canceled Impact Wrestling, um, I believe, I still believe to this day, that Impact will find a new network, whether it be the Weather Channel or the Spanish Channel, whatever it is, they will find a new home. And I, I surely hope they do, because I do not like Spike and all the fucking cop reruns that we get every single hour of every single day on the network. I'm not saying I watch it, obviously not, but um, I just hate having, you know, Impact, you know, it goes off the air and then Cops is on, Cops leading into it, Cops leading off of it. That's the only drawing point of that network, and Spike TV has done such a terrible job, and they're not the only ones to blame, but they do play a factor in the lack of awareness, product awareness of TNA. So that being said, though, I like the move to Wednesday nights, hopefully they can find a boost in ratings. I know they won't this week is whenever you change to a new nights, um, you know, it, it always impacts the ratings in, in the sense that people don't know that they have moved to um, the new night. And even TNA has done a terrible job of moving, of advertising the fact that they have moved to Wednesday nights. They aired a brief graphic, a brief video package at the end of last week's episode on Thursday night in that, um, that they were moving to Wednesdays, but, that's about it. Over the course of the episode, they didn't say anything, and I'm not surprised, because they had taped that particular episode of Impact back in late June. So people don't know that they're moving to Wednesday, so I would not at all be surprised for the next month or two, or at least when their contract to Spike runs up, that the ratings will be shit. So we'll have to wait and see, but... Anyway, in other TNA-related news, Bully Ray has been rumored to have left the company. Um, I had read that they held a talent meeting a couple of days ago, I heard about that at a house show or something along those lines. But when I went over to my friend John's house at Heel by Design on the Twitter, we watched SummerSlam together on the WWE Network at his place, he informed me that Bully Ray had told the talents at his at that talent meeting that he was leaving the company. And I read the same thing when I got home that night. So with that being said, that really sucks. That's a big blow to TNA if that is the case. Bully Ray has been arguably one of the biggest stars that TNA has had in the last couple of years, since his heel turn, since his, since his transformation as Bully Ray, the guy has been a major star. Whether it be as a face or heel, the guy has been one of the biggest central focuses of TNA wrestling of their show for the last four years. And for him to get up and, you know, just up and leave, there has to be some sort of reason for it. Bully Ray has been appearing on podcasts as of, as of late. Um, I believe he talked with Jericho on, on Talk as Jericho a couple of months ago. He was recently on the Ross Report he makes no bones about it. Bully Ray is very unspoken in that he believes that TNA does a terrible job of product awareness. I'm not saying he was showing signs of unhappiness when he was with TNA, but from what it sounded like, he did not like the way that things were being run. And this is the same guy that's being inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame. Say what you will about it, but it's happening. Um, the Hall of Fame itself and the legitimacy of it and whatever else. The TNA Hall of Fame will be inducting Team 3D, Devon, and Bully Ray, respectively, into their Hall of Fame this October on the weekend of Bound for Glory in Japan, which a lot of people still have no idea what's going on with that. Um, it was either last month, I, I think it was last month, when they announced that Bound for Glory would be in Japan. A lot of people were excited about it. It was a very ballsy move. And I, too, was very excited about the move for Bound for Glory in Japan. It's a very, um, it, it's a big thing that has never really been done before for any other North American wrestling organization. So I like the move, but since then we've heard next to nothing about it. We've seen a few commercials here and there on Impact, you know, promoting that Bound for Glory will be in Japan this year. But the show is less than two months away, and we have heard nothing about the show whatsoever. So that kind of leaves me to believe that, I'm not going to say it's not happening, but I guess that leads me to believe that they even don't have any idea what's going on with that show as of right now. But back to Bully Ray, though. They've invested too much time in his character for them, for, for them to just have him get up and leave. I'm not saying they should force him to stay, but they shouldn't let him go as easy as he is. If it's as easy as him just, you know, getting up and saying that he's gone, then that sucks, and TNA should make a stronger effort for him to stay. As of right now, in my personal opinion, I do believe that Bully Ray will resign with TNA. I mean, this has happened before with other towns, with Bobby Roode specifically. TNA lets their contracts uh, of their talents expire 
to at the very last minute without negotiating beforehand. Maybe they do, but they do a very bad job of that. Um, Bobby Roode, like I said, was an example from last year. Bully Ray is the latest example. But um, like I said, it would really suck if he does indeed leave the company. The guy has a lot of talent, whether it be as a babyface or a heel. He's been the star of these New York tapings. He's been the hometown hero. He's the one who put the freaking president of the company through a table last week. So how can you have the biggest face in your company leave just like that? Just like that. And the guy is also, I mean, spoiler alert for you guys that don't really want to be spoiled... The guy will be the central focus of one of the biggest series of tag team matches in recent TNA history. It pits the Hardys against Team 3D against the Wolves in a best of five series, or best of four series, I'm not really sure, best of four or five series for the World Tag Team Championships. And the series as it is, is already screwed over, as Davey Richards has since been uh, announced that he had broke his leg at a TNA house show a couple of days ago. And it's also been since reported that he will be healing, hopefully, within the next six to seven weeks, which is around the ballpark that TNA will be um, taping their next set of tapings in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or Virginia, or wherever it is. But um, anyway, though, it, it's hopefully going to be in due time for him to, hopefully in time for him to return to action when they tape their next shows. He's one half of the current World Tag Team Champions, and for, you know, one-six, or is it one-six? Yeah, one-six of the equation of this um of this series of tag team matches to disappear, specifically given that he's one half of the World Tag Team Champions, is a big blow to that series of matches. And when you have another guy a part of that series of matches, Bully Ray, get up and leave as well, that also serves as a problem. So I'm very intrigued as to where this all goes. Like I said before, I see Bully Ray staying with TNA. How long TNA stays around for is, is, is still the biggest question to a lot of people. Like I said before, though, I still believe they will sign a new contract with, not with Spike, maybe with Spike, but I do believe that either they'll stay on Spike or they'll find a new network. I hope they do, but um, either way, TNA is here to stay for the foreseeable future. I'm not going to say that as, as it is, is the gospel truth. It's just what I believe will be happening. But uh, Bully Ray, gone from TNA, reportedly. We'll see where that goes in coming days. So, up next, I want to give my review of WWE SummerSlam from Sunday night. As I said earlier, spent the show at my buddy John Sass house at Heel by Design on the Twitter. Um, we watched SummerSlam together on the WWE Network. Very fun to watch the show with him. Great show overall. SummerSlam has always been one of those shows in recent years that is, it is such a blast to look forward to. I love the 2011 installment. 2012 was good. A lot of people, you know, frown upon that show, but I thought it was a good show. 2013 was epic as well. And now 2014 was probably even better than all the aforementioned pay-per-views that I just talked about. So, 2014, let's run down the card here. Kickoff match, Rob Van Dam versus Cesaro, RVD going over. So, the reports before this was that RVD was on his way out of the company, um, just for another hiatus like he's been known to do before. And then he takes time off for a few months and then comes back for another three or four months. So RVD goes over Cesaro. It was really a lose-lose situation. They had a good matchup, which is not really something that you see usually with RVD and Cesaro. There were a series of matches earlier this year, and I think April or May was not all that good. But um, I thought this was a solid matchup, RVD going over. But um, both guys have been utilized so terribly over these last couple of months, that there was really no winner here. I know RVD picked up a victory, but Cesaro lost another match, and I know he would win on Raw, and here is hoping that's a new sign of what they're going to do with Cesaro, but it just it's just mind-boggling to me, and, and I'll get to both guys in a second. With Rob Van Dam, I think they have wasted tremendously, and someone asked me about this in this week's Hashtag Ask You Some video, and I also plan on writing an article about it at some point in time. But Rob Van Dam, despite what you think about him, his you know current character or how over he is, and I still believe that the fans are um, still love him to this day. He's very much over with the audiences. But the guy, or, or however much merch he sells and stuff like that, but um, the guy, he's a former WWE champion. The guy has credibility in that respect. Rob Van Dam is a former top guy in the company, and for them to utilize him as an enhancement talent is mind-boggling to me. Like I said in this week's hashtag, asked you some video, I'm not saying he should be a world champion, I'm not saying he should be involved in any top-tier storyline, but the least they could do was put him in a storyline with a solid mid-carder, and they were on the right track. I talked about this a couple of months ago, but Rob Van Dam 
was involved in a very solid storyline with uh, Bad News Barrett over the Intercontinental Championship in back in May and June. And then after that feud you know, ran its course, they did next to nothing with Rob Van Dam. He's been jobbing ever since, and he hasn't even been able to give him the chance, hasn't been given ch- the chance to have good matches because his matches aren't long enough. That's, that's what the problem is with RVD at the moment. So I hope, given that he won on both SummerSlam and Raw this week, that they uh, plan on not pushing him, but at least giving him some sort of uh, sense of direction before he leaves. And maybe he does. Maybe he works his final match against Randy Orton at the SmackDown tapings tonight. And uh, maybe that's the end of RVD for the foreseeable future. Wouldn't be the first time that RVD's been taken out by Randy Orton. But if so, then his latest run with the company was a failure. And not because of him. I know some people will say that he should evolve and turn heel and whatever else. But, like I said before, it's not really his fault. It's just how WWE is utilizing him. And with the case with Cesaro, here's the thing with Cesaro. And like I've said, a lot of people have asked me the question, what's up with Cesaro? Is he being buried? He's not being buried. And as I've said a couple of times, and John agreed with me when I talked about this with him, is that WWE knows what they have with Cesaro. They know his potential. They know what he's capable of. They know that he is worthy of being not world champion just yet, but they know he's worthy of much more than being a jobber for WWE. However, they just don't really have anything for him at the moment, or at least they did before SummerSlam. Um, you know, everyone being tied up in all these top-tier storylines, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, everyone else was involved in some sort of in, in some sort of feud or storyline that there was really no place for Cesaro on the card on, at SummerSlam, aside from the kickoff match with RVD. So that's why they really haven't done anything with him in the last month or so. So, with that being said, he defeated Jack Swagger on Raw. Um, whether they push him going forward remains to be seen. I'm not going to say that with one win that they're, you know, that he's bound to be pushed by next month. He's going to be involved in the world title match and Night of Champions. I'm not saying that at all. We'll have to wait and see and see what they do with Cesaro. With a lot of people being cleared up, maybe with John Cena, even Cena said himself back at the WWE 2K15 panel um, this past weekend, um, that Cesaro would be a great feud for him, would be the great next feud for him to work with, the great next superstar to work with, now that his feud with Brock Lesnar is over with. And I don't think it is, actually. I do think they will have uh, a third and final rematch at Night of Champions for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, where Lesnar will hopefully go over. But, um... After that runs its course, hopefully Cena can feed with Cesaro. Because like I said before, I think WWE knows what they have with Cesaro. They just don't really have anything for him at the moment. So that was the kickoff matchup. Hulk Hogan kicked off the show, just basically plugging the WWE Network. It was a nothing promo, but I did enjoy seeing Hulk Hogan and hearing his theme at SummerSlam. Always a treat. Um, kicking off the actual show, we had the IC Championship matchup. Dolph Ziggler defeating The Miz to win the Intercontinental Championship. Now this came as a major surprise to a lot of people. Um, as a lot of people had The Miz going over in this matchup, myself included, and Ziggler picked up the surprising victory. It doesn't do much for Miz to lose the IC title after a month, but it wasn't like he was a great champion anyway. He didn't defend it. He didn't. I don't think he's won a match <laughs> since he uh, since he won the championship, to be honest with you. I think he's been on commentary, and he lost that one match to Ziggler after Battleground, and he lost to Roman Reigns on SmackDown a couple of days ago, and I think that's it for The Miz in a nutshell. So anyway... Um, I'm I'm very happy with the decision to put the title on Ziggler, and it's very funny too. It's good timing, since it was about this time a year ago that Dolph Ziggler was quote unquote punished by management after being involved in a um an interview over the weekend SummerSlam weekend with uh you know talking disparagingly of Randy Orton, the current champion at the time, the WWE champion, and you know of course in the back pocket of management Randy Orton is. So for him to speak, um, you know, on bad terms of Randy Orton, I don't think it was anything really all that bad. I just think that he said that Randy Orton doesn't deserve what he has or that he thinks that he's better than Randy Orton. I think uh, Dolph Ziggler just ran his mouth, got him in trouble, and um, so began the downfall of Dolph Ziggler on the roster. So I'm glad to see him Intercontinental Champion. What, what he does with the title remains to be seen. He had a good match with Miz on Monday. I'm glad they didn't take the title off of him a day early like they did with Miz after Night of, uh, not Night of Champions, after WrestleMania last year. But um, Miz and Ziggler has been a good feud. They've had a lot of good matches, so I look forward to seeing that continue going forward. Paige and AJ also had a very good matchup, albeit five minutes long and should have gone longer. Uh, Paige, your new Divas champion after Sunday night in a very good matchup. Glad that Paige went over. I don't at all think that this is absolutely asinine to even talk about, but there was rumors running wild on Sunday, and going into Monday as well, that AJ will be, quote-unquote, distancing herself from wrestling now that she's no longer the champion. 
Now, we've heard these bullshit rumors before, right after she lost the title after WrestleMania this year. Um, back in June, I think the rumors started up again that AJ was pregnant, and she came back and won the championship, so they shut those rumors up pretty quickly. But I don't at all think that just because she lost the title that she's done with wrestling. As we saw on Monday's Raw, the feud is obviously continuing, as it should. Um, AJ should be in chase mode during the course of this feud with Paige as the heel, and she's doing a great job in that role, might I add. So the title change was necessary, so for AJ to retain would have killed the feud. So I don't know why people are thinking that just because AJ lost that she's done with wrestling and she's going to go start up a family. I don't believe that whatsoever. And I know Jim Ross mentioned it on his podcast last week. Maybe that's why people are talking about it. But when was the last Jim Ross had any in-the-know type of information from WWE? He was released in September of last year. I'm a big Jim Ross fan, but he knows nothing of the insider info. He says it himself on his Twitter and shit. This is all speculation on his part. He's just, you know, just... Not fantasy booking here, but he's just saying what he thinks will happen, what he thinks might happen, what should happen. I don't really know, but he's not saying what he thinks will happen. He has no insider info when it comes to AJ Lee or anyone else in the WWE roster. He doesn't work there anymore. He doesn't know for sure. So I want to put that rumor to rest real quickly. But um, also on this show, we had Rusev and Jack Swagger. Decent flag matchup, Rusev going over here. I'm glad that Swagger looks strong in a feat. I mean, personally, I would have had Swagger go over in that he should have... um, This should have been a standard flag match and that someone should have taken the flag off the turnbuckle and, and win that way instead of via pinfall or submission. When they announced that the winner had to win via pinfall or submission, that kind of foreshadowed the finish of this contest, but... Rusev is obviously the one they're pushing right now. I'm not surprised that he went over here. I'm not even against the decision to have him win. Um, but hopefully they can find something for Swagger to do in the foreseeable future. And I've said this before here in the show, but why isn't Swagger or Rusev U.S. champion? I mean, that's just a, a, a heat magnet waiting to happen for Rusev or just a money-making angle to happen for Swagger. It makes perfect sense. I don't know why the title was never involved in this feud, but it should be. Sheamus is not doing anything with that championship. I thought it'd be a good thing when he uh, when he initially won that title back in May, but the guy hasn't done jack shit with that title since he won it four or three months ago. So take the title off of him, give it to Swagger or Rusev and Knight of Champions. Doesn't really matter to me. Turn him heel for God's sakes already. It's been long overdue, but turn Sheamus heel... Get it over with. And, um, anyway. So, good matchup from Rusev and Jack Swagger. Ambrose and Rollins having a hell of a Lumberjack matchup. Probably the best Lumberjack matchup I've ever seen. Great stuff. Rollins going over after interference from Kane. Hitting Ambrose over the head with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Rollins, your victor. And they would also have a hellacious Falls Count Anywhere matchup the next night on Raw. Um, Ambrose and Rollins have such great chemistry together in the ring, on the mic. This whole feud has been awesome. I'm absolutely loving the feud thus far. And I'm glad they're taking a break from it. I know some people are pissed that Ambrose is the hottest star that WWE has right now. You know, fuck you WWE for taking him off TV to film a crappy movie. What what happened? What changed from a week ago? Um, A week ago, people were happy that Ambrose was being filmed, was being cast in this new movie for WWE Studios. People are saying, oh, this is the first Studios movie from WWE I'm going to go and watch because he's being cast in the lead role. What happened to those rumors? What happened to those comments from fans? So that was really weird, but um, it needed to happen. I think this, regardless of whether Dean Ambrose had to leave to film this movie or not, writing him off TV was the best possible scenario. Um, even if he comes back to feud with Kane, Ambrose and Rollins, and I've said this before, John agreed with me, Ambrose and Rollins is one of those feuds that you can go back to. It's like Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and that it's a feud that you can go back to when, whenever over the course of the next few years. It doesn't even need, need to be over a world championship or any title at all, for that matter. It's just a personal grudge match, a personal grudge feud that people want to see. People so desperately want to see Dean Ambrose beat the living shit out of Seth Rollins, which is why I'm glad Rollins went over in both matches. It, writ- it wrote Dean Ambrose off of TV in an in- effective and convincing fashion. It gives Rollins um, a big rub. Ambrose goes off to film his movie. And it also sets up Ambrose versus Kane when he comes back, which I also think could be a good feud, given their similar characters, you know, similar crazy characters and stuff like that. So 
I thought that was great booking, great matchup from Rollins and Ambrose, and arguably one of the best matches, if not the best match of SummerSlam. And Jarek, I- I'm sorry, uh... Uh, Brock Lesnar and John Cena was a different story. They told a different story in their contest, and I'll get to that in a bit. But um, Wyatt and Jericho having another good matchup. Way better than their battleground bout, I'll, I'll say that much. I know a lot of people were disappointed with that matchup. It wasn't bad, it was just very underwhelming, which I think could be the uh, what, what can be said for this entire feud between Jericho and Wyatt. I know a lot of people have said they've been very disappointed with it. I would just say it's been underwhelming, not disappointing. But um, this matchup, I thought, was a significant improvement over the over their battleground encounter. Um, sets up a rubber match at four net of champions, very much like the fact that Wyatt went over clean on Sunday. So good matchup from then. We had Stephanie McMahon versus Brie Bella, and a much more entertaining match than I ever thought it would ever. Uh, I, I thought it ever would be. Um, not only from an entertainment standpoint, but we all went into this matchup thinking, and I mean, I, I went into this matchup looking forward to it anyway. But um, a lot of people thought, oh, it wouldn't be even a wrestling matchup, myself included. I thought it'd be just a glorified angle that it would be less of a matchup, you know what I mean? So, and I, it was a wrestling matchup. Stephanie McMahon, for for someone that hasn't been in the ring for over 10 plus years, she could go. She's not a, a, a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan in the ring by any means. But considering her status as an in-ring competitor, she did pretty damn well for herself. So I was impressed with her showing on Sunday night against Brie Bell in what was a very entertaining matchup. The turn from Nikki Bella could be seen from a coming could be seen coming from a mile away. And I'm not even down on the idea of turning Nikki Bella heel if only because it separates Nikki um, I'm sorry, it separates Brie from Stephanie for the time being. Some people were complaining that Stephanie went over. I see nothing wrong with this whatsoever. If any if if anything, it prolongs Brie Bella's inevi- inevitable um 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 her eventual what am I? What, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, payback is the word, or vengeance, I guess I should say, over Stephanie when they eventually do face off in a rematch or whenever it happens with those two. Um, it prolongs Brie Bella's moment of overcoming the authority, much like Daniel Bryan. He had to overcome the authority in what eight fucking months? It took him that long to get finally beat Triple H and win the world championship. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. So I'm totally fine with this. I question the decision to have Nikki Bella be the one to turn heel. Um, I mean, I said in last week's show, in my fantasy booking, I would have had Karma return. I think that would have been perfect. But um, I, I don't know what the status is with Awesome Kong or Karma, whatever you want to call her. Uh, Kia Stevens. I don't know what her relationship is with WWE. I believe it's good because it, she left on good terms a couple of years ago. I haven't even heard much from her, so I don't know what's going on with that. But um, uh, Nikki Bella... It, based off what we saw off of Raw, I mean, her acting is terrible. We already knew that for a fact anyway, going into SummerSlam and Raw, for that matter. But with that being said, though, um, it makes sense from a storyline standpoint after Nikki Bella had been beating the shit out of by the authority for months, and Stephanie McMahon said, blame Brie. She's the one who, you know, uh, unloaded all of this on of you, so have you know she should be the one to blame. So I could see the whole point of why she would turn heel and the whole sister versus sister feud. I would have had it happen at a later date, maybe not this soon. I just don't really have faith in this feud being any good because both Brie and Nikki are just terrible actresses. And Stephanie was the MVP of that feud because she was so over the top as a heel and so fucking good that she made that feud entertaining and must see. So, I don't know if the same can be said for Brie and Nikki. I'm not going to shit on it before it even begins. Granted, I wasn't fond of the segment they had on Raw. I mean, it kicked off the show. With, I mean, the first women's segment in recent memory that has ever kicked off an episode of Monday Night Raw, which was great to see. Um, they main evented Raw a couple of weeks ago, and they're kicking off the show. So, that was a refreshing change of pace. But um, I don't have much faith in either Bella to carry this view to being something good. But um, I will reserve my judgment until we see more of them in the ring and on the mic. So up next, we had Randy Orton and Roman Reigns, in which I thought was a very good matchup. Early on, it was boring, but it was solid wrestling. That They finally kicked up the notch, kicked up the pace a bit in the final few minutes with an awesome-looking RKO. I mean, Roman Reigns, I think, was going for a Superman punch or a spear or something. Um, he jumped up in midair. Orton takes him out with an RKO out of nowhere. And I know the commentators say that all the time. Hits an RKO out of nowhere, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I know they drive that home all the time. And it become it, it gets to the point like, okay, you know, just shut up. It's not out of nowhere. We all see that coming. I understand that, but Randy Orton has such the best goddamn RKO I've ever seen. It's so great to see him execute in matches and moments like this. I thought this was awesome. Roman Reigns going over to the clean victory. It looks like the feud is continuing if they're uh, 
interaction on Monday's Raw is any indication. But, um, yeah, good match from Roman Reigns and Orton. Better than I thought it would be. We get to the main event. Okay, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena for the WWE World Heavyweight title. A lot of people were expecting an epic matchup. And in a way, it was an epic matchup. It was no, it was not really all that similar to their Extreme Rules matchup. And it was in the sense that Brock Lesnar had John Cena, you know, handed John Cena's ass to him from start to finish. John Cena maybe got in maybe two moves the entire matchup. An absolutely glorified squash match. Um, if there ever was one, if I've ever seen one. So, great stuff, but it wasn't extreme, it wasn't, there was no blood, there was no weapons. There didn't need to be. They told a hell of a story with John Cena taking the ass-beating of a lifetime, the ass-kicking of a lifetime, and just attempting to battle back, but to no avail. And what made this matchup so much better was the fact that, that terrible gut feeling in the back of my mind was that, is John Cena going to come out of this, you know, hit an AA out of nowhere and win this? Because that's exactly what happened to Extreme Rules. They made the stupid decision to have him go over there. So I thought there was a part of me that thought, maybe John Cena will win. Maybe they'll try to swerve viewers and have John Cena win. And I'm glad they didn't go that route. But um, I think that made the matchup that much better. It wasn't extreme, extremely predictable that Brock Lesnar was going over. And some people are complaining, oh, why do you have a part-timer beat, you know, John Cena? Look at it, people. I don't care, and I, I don't know when I said this. I don't know if it was in this week's hashtag SUSM video or last week on the show. I don't care if it's fucking Brock Lesnar, The Rock, Yoshitatsu. It doesn't matter who it is or if it's a part-timer or not. The guy ended the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. What part of that don't people understand? The guy just ended the most illustrious undefeated streak in fucking pro wrestling history. They could not have had him lose on Sunday night. I don't care what you think of Lesnar. They could not have had him lose on Sunday. It would have ruined the purpose of beating the streak in the first place. And whether that was a long-term plan from the beginning, I have no idea. According to Jim Ross and Shawn Michaels, they made the decision to snap the streak the day of WrestleMania. So believe what you will. But it happened. You can't go back and change it. You gotta do. You, you gotta deal with it. That's as Batista has said in the past. Just deal with it. Brock Lesnar conquered the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. It happened. You can't change it. You just gotta run with it, and they did the best booking decision possible by not only having Brock Lesnar win the championship on Monday, uh, on Sunday, I'm sorry, at SummerSlam, but absolutely, and excuse me for using this term, but just raping and murdering John Cena in that matchup at SummerSlam. He needed to be portrayed as an absolute beast of a man after, you know, kicking the ass of The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar needed to be portrayed as an ass-kicker, a dominator, and that's exactly what he was on Sunday night. Now, I don't have faith I'll do the same at Night of Champions, and it should not be the same match at Night of Champions, but it also shouldn't be as competitive. I mean, it shouldn't be a competitive matchup because Brock Lesnar is so dominant. It's really hard to say what they should do at Night of Champions, but I can't guarantee you they will be doing a third and final matchup between Cena and Lesnar at Night of Champions for the title, or at least I hope. And if they don't, then... I think I, I don't think Batista versus Lesnar. I do really want to see that contest. It's not a matchup you can just rush into. So Batista, I think, will be back after Lesnar takes his hiatus or Jericho takes off again. Batista will be back at some point within the next few months, from what I've heard and what I personally believe. But um, anyway, though, I look forward to the third and final rematch. I thought everything about this matchup was great. Brock Lesnar, you new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Now the question is this. Now, I've been asked this a number of times over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of days since SummerSlam, who should be the one to conquer Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? I'll say this much. I'll, I'll say this much. The soon the soonest it should happen is WrestleMania 31. It should not happen any sooner. It should not. It should not happen at at, at Royal Rumble at Survivor Series. Sure, surely not as hell at the Night of Champions pay-per-view next month. Brock Lesnar cannot lose until WrestleMania 31 at the earliest, in my opinion. I don't care what the fuck they do with him and the interim champion and him appearing on TVs. I don't give two shits about that. Unless it's more with Brock Lesnar. If he's on TV every week, then it's not going to work. He cannot be on TV every week. It takes away from the mystique of Brock Lesnar that they... You know, tried so hard to build back up with his win over The Undertaker and win on Sunday night as a new champion. 
they finally had that mystique factor back with Brock Lesnar, and having him, having him appear on Raw every week would take away from that. I'm not saying he will appear on Raw every week, but I'm saying, you know, for the people that are complaining, oh, he won't be on TV every week, so it will take away from the title and the prestige. Who gives a fuck? You know, back in the day, the champion wasn't even on TV anyway. It was a special appearance. It was a special occasion whenever they did appear on TV. So I am completely fine with Lesnar being champion. It's a different story. I know I was not thrilled with The Rock being champion in 2013. I understand why they did it from a business perspective. But um, Rock did not end The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar did. So that's why they needed to give him the title. It was the only logical move. So I'm very happy with that. But who will be the one to beat Brock Lesnar? Daniel Bryan, from a storyline standpoint, makes no sense. Having him come back win the Royal Rumble? Sure, that'd be awesome. I would love to see it. I'm not saying anything against it whatsoever. Daniel Bryan, given his size, his stature, should not beat a legitimate ass-kicker in Brock Lesnar. If Brock Lesnar had John Cena, um, had his ass handed to him at SummerSlam, John Cena, that is, then there is, you know, Daniel Bryan does not stand a snowball's chance in hell of defeating Brock Lesnar in the ring, outside of the ring, whatever. Daniel Bryan, it would be a great matchup, don't get me wrong, but Daniel Bryan should not be the one to beat Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns is the one that a lot of people are predicting. Um, JR has been saying that for months. I wholeheartedly agree. Whether Roman Reigns is ready by WrestleMania time remains to be seen. That's the biggest question right now. But a lot can change from August to March and April of next year. So I'm not saying I would be opposed to that. If anything, I look forward to seeing Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar. Um, I'm all on board for that booking decision. But Roman Reigns still has a lot, a long ways to go in terms of improvement on the mic and on the mic and in the ring over the next seven or eight months. Whether he can get to main event status by WrestleMania time, like I said before, remains to be seen. But um, I personally would have Roman Reigns be the one to beat Brock Lesnar. It should not be The Rock. I hate the rumors of The Rock being the one to beat Brock Lesnar or face him for the championship. I know they want to do that fantasy rematch from SummerSlam 02. They had a great matchup that night. But it's not a matchup that you need to go back to. I know they were going to do it um, about a year or so ago for WrestleMania this year, for WrestleMania 30. I know they're going to kick off that angle and do it for WrestleMania 30. And, you know, God only knows what route, we, what we, direction WWE would be taking right now if Lesnar did not end the streak of WrestleMania and whoever it would have been. Um, it's really funny to think about. We probably would not be talking about this right now in terms of Lesnar even being champion. But... Rock and Lesnar is not a matchup. I, I'd be fine with it if it wasn't over the championship, but like I said before, Lesnar should not lose the title anytime before WrestleMania 30, so therefore I do not want to see that matchup at that event next year in New Orleans, or I'm sorry, in uh, Santa Clara, California. I do not want to see that at WrestleMania 31. Um, Cesaro, some people have suggested. I'd be open to that. It makes sense in that Cesaro is a former Paul Heyman guy. He will turn face, uh, goes on to beat Brock Lesnar, his scary strength. Um, even he does not stand a chance of beating Brock Lesnar, but he has a better chance, a, a legitimate chance of being seen as more of a threat than Daniel Bryan, that's for sure. So um, I'd be fine with Cesaro, I would love to see that, I just don't see them building Cesaro up as the next face of the company and beating Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania next year for the title. Um, Roman Reigns makes the most sense to me, so I have my money on Roman Reigns being the one to quote-unquote conquer Brock Lesnar come WrestleMania season. But um, that being said, yeah, Brock Lesnar, you knew. WWE Heavyweight Champion after SummerSlam 2014. So, that's going to do it for my SummerSlam review. Really nothing from Raw, like I said before. I thought it was a good show, but um, we're kind of cutting it close here to the end of the hour. I still want to air my interview with uh, with Flick Wagner Brown. I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, in terms of other stuff that happened on Raw, Mark Henry and Russo will be feuding soon, which I look forward to. Uh, Rollins and Ambrose already talked about that before. Swagger. Um, being beaten by Cesaro, his first win in a while, for the Cesaro, that is. Um, yeah, the new championship belt was awarded to Brock Lesnar on Monday, Paul Heyman delivering a hell of a promo, I thought it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, whatever, um, pun on the Undertaker's nickname there, but, um, anyway, I thought that was great, if there's any one thing that you should go back and see from Raw this week, it should absolutely be that promo, but, uh, yeah, Night of Champions is shaping up to be good, if Jericho's gonna be around for it, Brock Lesnar... I don't think Batista will return for Night of Champions, but if we get Ziggler versus Miz again and AJ versus Paige, then Night of Champions should be good this year after the disaster of a show that we got last September. That's for that's for fucking sure. So hopefully we don't get a repeat of that. But um, yeah, WWE looking good these days. I'm looking forward to where they go from here. Um, and here's hoping they can stay the course with Brock Lesnar. 
going forward. So on that note, that's going to close out my reviews of Raw and SummerSlam. I Basically, my overall thoughts on WWE in the last couple of days. So I look forward to where they go from here. And now we'll carry it into my interview with Slick Wagner Brown. Like I said before, we had him on the show back in March of this year. At the time, had won his first New England Championship Wrestling Championship for the first time since 2001. So for him to win that championship and to drop it just a short period of time later due to injury really sucks. And he talks all about that in our subsequent interview. And I apologize for the shitty audio. Um, I recorded this on my recorder. We talked to him over the phone. So it was not the best of quality on my end. And I, I, I do take the blame for that. But um, hopefully the next time I see him, we can get another follow-up interview. We could talk in person. And um, I will be back on Endicott campus in actually two weeks from today. So when I do get on, back on campus, I'll have the equipment to you know call over the phone and have you know my end will at least be better and not as shitty as you're, you're about to hear it right now. But um, anyway, it's a great interview regardless of the audio quality. We talked about his road to recovery, his wrestling school, his passing, you know, his thoughts on the passing of the Ultimate Warrior, given that the Ultimate Warrior, much like with me, it was an icon of his. So we talked about that a little bit. We talked about the Iron 8 tournament, his thoughts on, uh, on what he's going to be doing when he gets back from his injury, when he will be back from his injury. Um, we also talk about the Iron 8 tournament, the crowning of the new champion, Brad Hollister, how he's doing his champion right now, and also his interesting thoughts on the new Nation of Domination with Xavier Woods, Big E, and Kofi Kingston. I don't want to go into a rant on this show about how they dropped that fucking angle that really pissed me off when they did that, and it looks like it is indeed over. But um, that being said, though, you can get my thoughts on that in this week's hashtag Ask You Some Video. It's actually the first question I'm asked in the video, so if you wanted to go check that out, but... We talked about that with uh, SWB in the interview towards the end of it. And this was, of course, before they dropped the angle. Uh, he, he talks about how he's intrigued by it, as am I. But uh, like as I said, they, you know, it's blinking, you miss a kind of angle because now it's over already, which kind of sucks. But anyway, great interview. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back after this with uh, some more shameless plugs to close out the show. So enjoy the interview. Graham Justin Matthews here today with another exclusive interview with an individual who has been on WrestleRate Radio before, the former NECW heavyweight champion, Slick Wagner Brown. How's it going today, Slick? And just 
Matthew, I thought the wrestling itself was uh, just a spectacle within itself. I thought it was a great show as a whole. But with that being said, though, of course, your number one priority upon your return, when, whenever it may be, whether it be later this year or, like you said, six months down the line in early of 2015, is your number one priority. Well, of course, it's coming back to the ring, but once you make it back into the ring, is it recapturing the NCW title that you never officially lost? I'm 
made us made me feel chicken chicken hands. It was like he knew me forever. You know what I mean? Like I knew back forever, but you know, I just met him. And uh, if it just it's uh it just makes you think, you know, there's some guys that come in the locker room and don't do that. And this guy has done everything in the business and, and continues to do that and it's just you know, that's that's respect and that's uh, a big deal, you know what I mean? Great guy. So when I when I found out that he, he passed on it was it was crazy because he was just on the he was just on uh the Hall of Fame before WrestleMania and he was all WrestleMania and you know, um next next thing is gone. So just you know, just reminds everyone that you're on for more time and just make the best of, of, of the time that you have, you know what I mean? Live every day like it's your last. Absolutely. It was awesome that you were able yeah, you were able to pay tribute to the warrior at the NECW show only a few days later because that occurred on the Tuesday and then the NECW show happened either on that Friday or Saturday, so it was great timing. Um, but with that being said, though, yeah, my thoughts are very much the same in that. And just one last miscellaneous topic that I wanted to discuss with you that I forgot to talk about last time when you were on the show, but um, a very wide topic has always been, and especially the last few months that I've noticed, is this quote-unquote racism in WWE that WWE holds down the African-American wrestlers and stuff like that because a lot of their talent, um, whether it be Kofi Kingston or... Big E or Xavier Woods or whoever else have been held down in recent months and stuff like that. And no better timing have they just brought up this uh, this new nation of domination stable of, of, of sorts that people are talking about or branding it as, whether it be that or not, who knows. But um, what are your thoughts on there never really, aside from The Rock, never really being um, a black world champion in WWE? And what are also your thoughts on the new stable uh, consisting of Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Biggie? Where do you see that going as well? I'm excited for those guys, you know. Individually, they weren't, they weren't doing much lately, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so to put them together and try to... You know, accomplish something and let them try to do something that is great. I think it's, it's really good. And, um, you know, the better they do, it'll be good for the business as a whole, you know, because there's not, um, not too many, uh, you know, uh, minority, like black guys trying to get into the wrestling game, you know what I mean? And that's also a test of the good of what they see on television. So if uh, black talents are doing good on TV, then, you know, chances are guys are not going to try to, you know, get involved in the business. And, you know, so it's good. I mean, the better those guys do, it, it helps everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I hope they, they, you know, get a chance to do something good and they give them the, the time to do whatever they're doing and, and make it work, you know? Because right now, a lot of angles get started and they're done in a short period of time. So, good point, good point. Know, things, things take time to, uh, you know, to mature. So, hopefully they get that, that kind of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, here's hoping, like you just said before, a lot of angles nowadays, a creative gets excited about them, but then they drop into the wayside only weeks in, and then they're never resurfaced again, so here's hoping that this isn't one of those things. It's been so far so good. It's only been a week, of course, as of, as of uh, when we're talking about it, but even so, though, it's, it's been a cool angle thus far, and here's hoping that they can make the most and utilize those talents of Kingston, of Woods, of Biggie, because all three of those guys are extremely talented and have a lot to offer. So, uh, with that being said, anything else you would like to add before we uh, before we let you go? Um, no, man. I, you know, just, uh, you know, there's not really much going on. Just my injury and, uh, and just my school right now. Um, I'm just, you know, hoping to uh, get back to it later. And, you know, I'm excited for the future, man. I appreciate you taking time for this interview. Absolutely. It was great catching up with you, man. I'll be back on the uh, Endicott campus, whether you be at the shows or not. Well, are you still attending the NEW shows, even though you're injured, or are you just staying home and resting right now? I, I, I am, because I'm helping out behind the scenes. Oh, okay. So, that's cool. That's I'm not cool. sure if I'll be doing all the shows. Mm-hmm. We haven't really narrowed that down yet, but um, I did the last show that was at the fair, and um, uh, where was it? It was in... Um,
in uh, one of the future events. And uh, before we let you go, make sure to plug your Facebook, Twitter, um, where people can find you, your website, all that great stuff. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Russell Rant Radio. Thanks again to Slick for coming on the show for another awesome interview. I look forward to seeing him soon. Best of luck to him on his road to recovery. And thanks to you guys for listening to the show. Russell Rant Radio goes up every Tuesday right here exclusively on nextyearwrestling.weebly.com. We've got a lot of new columns this week. My thoughts on SummerSlam Raw, my full thoughts on both shows right on here on the website. Um, my good friend Thomas Brunt, he's got a new column up on Brock Lesnar and why it's a different yet intriguing different uh, style of champion for the WWE. So make sure to check that out. Very good friend John Nichols mentioned it before here in the show. He's been here on the show numerous times before. At Yo by Design on the Twitter. You can check out his column, John's Jargon on Next Era Wrestling, right here on the site. He talks about Brock Lesnar taking that title from John Cena, the ass-kicking he got and deserved at SummerSlam. New column up here on the website. So a lot of cool stuff here on the site. Make sure to check it out. Also, you can find me on Twitter, at Russell Rant. On Facebook as well, at Graham GSM Matthews. YouTube, same thing. Bleacher Report, same thing. New columns going up all the time for WhatCulture.com for the WWE section. The article that I wrote last week on the top 10 legitimately good acting performances by wrestlers in movies got a hell of a lot of hits. So thanks for everyone that read that and all the positive feedback. Really do appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another jam-packed edition of WrestleRant Radio. John, thanks to him for having me over at his house um, to watch SummerSlam this past Sunday night. I was only there for the show. I got picked up. I got dropped off right before the show started and left right after the show ended. So hopefully, if I do see him soon, we'll have him back on the show for another great interview to pick his brain on his thoughts on WWE, TNA, SummerSlam, and much, much more. So with that being said, folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you right back here next week with another edition of WrestleRant Radio. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and we'll see you then.